Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And you know, I used to have a little keyboard back when I was a kid that had that exact clapping. Like when the podcast starts up, it's right. Danic. Clap, oh, it's like, okay, like your keyboard. Yeah. But it had all the claps, and each clap would go with the notes. Would be clap, or yeah, I had that same one. It yeah, was and little Casio. Just, and that's exactly where that clap, clap comes from. Is from that keyboard, I bet. So yeah. <laughs> every time I every time I listen to it, I think of that. So we've got a good okay. episode for you guys today. Yes, we're gonna recap the rally a little bit, which I don't know how much there is to say about it. I'm um, talk about my new car, the yes. car I did not get. Okay. Some plans for the new car. Okay, and we're also gonna get into the history of rally, which I think is really appropriate timely one may timely. say it's if, almost like we planned it this way in name if not in association because what we did on the rally is not necessarily what you are going to be talking about it is though oh it is there is a tie-in here that i didn't even know where the term rallying came from and it is perfect what right. we did is a hundred percent a rally i love it it's, well judging by what i was doing on some of those gravel roads <laughs> it was in both name and in spirit absolutely rallying so uh you Last week, I talked that I was going to go get a car. Did I say what it was going to be? You did not. Okay, it's probably because I didn't want anybody to know because this car looked really nice. True. And you know what, though? Before you get into that, I wanted to say oh, we, yeah. we, we are expecting snow this next week. I know. It looks brutal. With, oh, my God. With, it comes all the slop and terrible mess you come to expect. And this is well before even Halloween. Chris, I don't know. Have we had like a snowstorm this early, depending on how much snow it's going to be? This is not going to be a snowstorm. No, it's going to be 40 regardless. degrees. It's just going to be wet I, out. Hey, but I it's going to be like morally depressing. <laughs> I mean, it's I haven't even got pumpkins. Have you got pumpkins? I do have pumpkins. Okay. Well, before I had... Does WeatherTech sell pumpkins? Before I get to the pumpkin <laughs> patch, Chris, I need to think about equipping my trunk with a cargo liner from WeatherTech. Do they make one for the 190E? I doubt it. Okay. But WeatherTech cargo liners feature a textured finish to prevent cargo from shifting around, including any pumpkins I might pick up. Cargo liners are custom fit, laser measured cargo trunk mats designed to keep your messes, dirt, and spills away from your car's interior. And if you live in a cold part of the country, as we do, the good news is that they won't crack, break, or warp even in the most extreme of temperatures. They're made right here in the U.S. Cargo liners, they install easily and protect your investment from everyday wear and tear. Be sure to head over to WeatherTech.com to check out all of their products. We also, Chris, need to mention their, give a, their giveaway this month. <laughs> Quit staring at me. No, it, this is exciting, though. They're I don't have anyone else to look at. <laughs> giving a, WeatherTech is giving away one $250 WeatherTech gift card to a Overcrest listener. Go to WeatherTech.com slash Overcrest. Do you think they have a laser small enough to measure you? <laughs> <laughs> this is dumb. what if they could laser measure you and then print you into a floor mat wouldn't that be pretty great could, could they print me in like 1.3 scale so i can be taller than you <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't take that much to be taller you're not that much further than me okay so yes i was going to get a 300 e another mercedes box it is a box, and it is a great car. Okay. Okay. Um, it, like I said, I think I did mention it last week. It was, it was. They had many huge advancements in that car. It was okay. actually at that time was the most aerodynamic saloon ever made. The box was. The box was one hundred percent. What back. year is that car? Like nineteen eighty four, okay. like eighty three. So it was very, very aerodynamic at the time. It had five link, or I'm, I'm sorry, it had independent rear suspension. Okay. It had you know they were very advanced for the time. Mercedes spent a ton of money on it. They're very quiet, very nice to drive, and they're 
legendary reliability in in this era of Mercedes. Sure. You still can see if you go on Craigslist, they're everywhere. Okay. Which there's not too many other cars out there that 40 years, 30 years later, That's true. The cars are still like, well, this one's got 290,000 miles on it, still <laughs> runs great, needs a front left wheel bearing, or whatever the case may be. Sure. So I see this one. It's a dark navy blue. Uh-huh. Great color. I mean, is this... I hadn't seen it before, and okay. it had a you know. Is the, it close to your nine eleven Albert blue? Way darker, oh, like oh, really okay. like a midnight blue. Sure, okay. And uh, it had uh, it had no rust. It was clean, mm-hmm. and it came with a set of snow tires and a set of regular tires. And Perfect. the interior was mint. I'm like, oh my god, I'm going to go. I want to come look at this car. Sure. Talk to the guy over a period of time. Hey, I'd like to come look at him. I can't. Okay, how about this day? No, this day no. Okay, how about this day? Fine. So Monday comes along. Yeah. This is Monday, which is four or five days ago, and I go. I'm coming. The guy's like, all right. What is it? I think he said 530. I said, great. I'll be there. So I get my buddy Dave. We hop in the car. And my, I'm like, oh, I'll bring my AMG. It'll be cool, right? Show up in my, in my, you know, my AMG car, the white okay. one. Show up there. I, the first thing, I get out of the car. And what is the first thing I see? Rust. I could have stuck my hand <laughs> through the rocker panels of this car huh. on both sides twice. Well, that's rust free because there's nothing left to rust. He never <laughs> said it was rust free, but the pictures that he took made it a little look, misleading. Huh? It was very misleading. And it was like the guy took washed it and then took pictures of it wet. Oh, sure. You know, that trick. Oh, yeah. Which is the thing is, is look, <laughs> what are you trying to do when people do this? Right. When I get there. And it doesn't look anything like it was going to look in the ad. What do they think is going to happen? Here's I I know what they're thinking because they're tra- they figure all I need is to get people here, and then I can talk to them and deal with them because he doesn't he just wants to sell it. He doesn't care if it's a little bit cheaper. He needs people there. Well, the first thing wheel and deal. First thing I said to this guy is yeah. this is not the car for me because I didn't know that there was rust on it. He's like he, he goes well I sent those pictures to your mom. What I go. First of all, my was that an insult? (laughs) First of all, my mom's not around anymore. Okay, so I don't understand. And I go, I go, what do you mean? You sent them to my mom? And he goes, what's your name? I said, Chris. He goes, oh, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, well, so you're not the other guy? I said, no, obviously not. And he goes, oh, so you're not the guy coming to buy the car in 15 minutes. What? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I got a guy flying in from Chicago to buy the car in 15 minutes. Well, that poor guy. And I'm like, why am I here? What is going on? How far on? did you drive for Stillwater. This? And okay. I've never, I've gone out to Stillwater at least 10 times looking at cars, never come away with anything. <laughs> that place is cursed. <laughs> okay. So anyway, the guy, the, some guy was coming in to buy the car from Chicago. I, why you, was I there? What if I was out <laughs> test driving the car, came back, and the guy's like, I'm here, standing yeah, in the wow, driveway? What terrible. are we doing? And the guy's like, oh, man, I made a terrible mistake. Well, I guess it's probably good that you're not going to buy it then, huh? I said, other than my wasted time driving through Rush Hour on the way over here for a car I never could have bought anyway, <laughs> yeah, what if I liked the car? What if I was like, oh, I really like it. It was really clean. Yeah. And this guy did this to me. Wow. Really I upset. almost would have stuck around to see that guy come to buy it because he, I, I can't imagine he would fly up for that rusty of a car. That's what I was thinking, too. The thing was not in good enough shape to make it worthy of that. Right. And the so thing I'm was, wondering if he misrepresented it to him, too. Well, he said he sent pictures to his mom. <laughs> and the, uh, car, okay. the car was $3,000, so it's kind of good money for 300 e So I'm not sure what the negotiation ended up as or whatever. So I go, you know what? So that didn't work. That didn't work. And then I got my buddy Dave with me. I'm like, okay, what can we do? Can we go look at something else? There's a Jeep that I was kind of thinking about. And yeah. That, 
That didn't work out. The guy never emailed me back. Still hasn't emailed me back. I couldn't get any Jeep guys to email back. Those things must be going fast. Yeah, if I the bet. Jeep goes up and it's nice, I'm oh, sure yeah. someone goes and just buys it. So I, I go, okay, well, there's this 190E that I'd been looking at, and it's owned by uh, Alex Bowman, who I know. Okay. And he runs Will Dicker Auto sure. over, over here. It's a car dealership yep. here. And But this was his one of his personal cars that he oh. went to the auction and bought. Sure. And the ad said, hey, you know, I've got this car. I got a new alternator in it. Not sure if that fixed the charging problem or not. And the rear brakes don't work. Or no, he didn't say the rear brakes don't work. He said the brakes don't work and the ABS light is on. And then the picture of the thing is it just disgusting. It's covered in leaves and dirt and everything else oh, really? sitting under a tree for like a year. So and it did tires, not look... It didn't look great. Okay. But I could see... That it was not a rusty car. Sure. And here's the bonus. It had a black interior, which yeah. is very uncommon. Okay. Very, very uncommon. Most of these cars are tan interior followed by a gray or a blue, okay. like a light blue. And then you have black interior and red interior. Oh, So there is a red that would look really cool in a black car as well. Yeah, but I really I like the black on black. Sure. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to come look at it. So I drove over there. I dropped off Dave. Now, where was this? Mound. Okay, you're all over the city. Okay, so this I was in Stillwater, and then yep. I had to drive an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 20 minutes to Mound the same uh -huh. day, drop Dave off at his house because he had other stuff to do. <laughs> and I get over there, and I'm like, it's dark. Oh, like, worst time see. to look at a car. I'm like, you know, but I know Alex. Okay. I'm like, I, he's going to be honest with me about the car. Yeah. He's a car salesman. Let's but. not pretend he's not, but, <laughs> you know, that's his job. And, you know, that's why the interior was, like, perfectly vacuumed out and everything because sure. i'm sure at one point he vacuumed it out to sell it yeah. and then parked it under the tree so the interior was perfect but it was just it it looked really bad on the outside and he's like it'll buff out well i promise it's a it's a good looking car blah 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 blah. and i'm standing there i went and drove it and there's no brakes the car is terrifying to Ooh. drive terrifying yeah and, I imagine and, and the struts are blown so when you would hit the brakes the thing would just <laughs> dive forward it's almost like it was going to do an endo right yeah, the rear yeah, end yeah, was yeah. going to come off the ground and I'm like, all right. So I gotta, I'm like, I'm gonna buy this car. And I said, do you have any extra parts for it? Okay. And he's like, well, nothing I can let go for free. But behind you is what's what else is for sale with the car. I turn around and there's a set of BBS RSs Ooh. for the car sitting on the ground. Now they were, I believe, disassembled. If I saw they are the disassembled. Photo. One yeah. of the lips is super destroyed, so okay, they need so a lip. Need a lip. Um, but they could go together and go on the car if I oh, wanted yeah. to. But here's the thing. Uh, I did buy the car. I bought yes, it. Yes, you did. And I got a good price for it. I mean, it's a, I think I got a fair price. Sure. I got the wheels for a fair price, too. Okay. I, didn't, it, I didn't, like, run away from anything. But I could tell that the car was nice, and it ran really nice. Okay. Here's the thing. It's when you push all the buttons on the dash for the climate control. If I want defrost, I want vents, I want floor, <laughs> everything works. That is surprising. So, for, so what year is this car? 1992. So this yes. is the last of the 190e is this year is the last so year. does there does mercedes nomenclature line up so is a 1.9 a 1.9 liter no a I, 190 I, I, is not a 1.9 i have no idea what 190e means <laughs> nothing okay. i so they maybe they had 190 a 190 horse no, no it's not so they had like a, a 380 sc which had a 3.8 liter v8 a 300d so which had a three sense. liter diesel maybe they did have a 190 in europe when it came out sure like a 1.9 with a strong that's not what this is yeah i don't know Okay. I have no clue. Yeah, this is a 2.3 liter single overhead cam four cylinder with 136 horsepower. It's not gotcha. fast, but gotcha. it does get out of its own way just fine. It doesn't feel like, oh no, I can't go. It's, right. it's, it feels just like a car, right? The engine is not inspiring. It's just a car, right? right? It's just a, that, just a I motor. would agree with that description. Yeah, it's just a car. It doesn't feel bad, but it doesn't feel good. It's a four-speed auto, uh, but here's the thing. The thing is so clean i polished it out with uh with our I obert car care yes. stuff 
the thing is so clean. I couldn't believe it. Like I've never spent time on black paint before. I didn't have to do much. Yeah. And the thing just looks brand new. I am very skeptical that this is original paint. Oh, really? You think it's a respray? Come on. 227,000 miles without well, a single rock chip? The interior as well, though, looks brand new. So when I just got to the studio here yeah. this evening, we went out and drove it. I drove it, and it is so clean. I I will make fun of you for this purchase because it's an old grandpa Mercedes. Yeah, it's the baby Benz. Any car, any car, any truck, any vehicle that's older like this and is this clean is cool in its own right. Right. I don't care what it it's is. It's like a time capsule. Interior, exactly. I, I know it seems cliche to say it, but it looks brand new. It really does. It, it's, it's absolutely incredible. There's nothing that looks worn there's no, on it. There's no cracks in the, in the wood and the polyurethane on the wood always has cracks on it. This thing was definitely stored inside. There's no yep. cracks on the dash. Yeah, no sun um, exposure. All the, all the extra parts that I can find, like the air filter, fuel filter, okay. um, the distributor. Like the wear items. The wear items are all genuine Mercedes. Right. So someone took it to the dealer. Someone took it to the dealer. So I think I'm the second owner. And wow. well, Alex doesn't count because he's kind of a dealer. So he's kind of more like a conduit for the car to go okay. to a owner. So uh, technically the third owner. But for me, I feel like I'm the second owner of this car. Sure. And it has been driven in Minnesota. The, the bottom of the car yeah. has, it's not rusty. But, but it has he, that scaliness, maybe? It has maybe? the scaliness to the sure. bolts and stuff like that. So, so you, you don't have to feel too bad. Exactly. And there is one gotcha. nickel spot of rust on the front fender, which is like you can't even really see it. It's not a big Are deal. Are you going to try to fix that at all? I probably should, but I probably won't. You can probably just, because it's so small and in a corner, I would just sand it down yourself Yeah, and tape it off and just put some fresh paint on there. Yeah, just do something. That's what I, I wonder what do. I'll have to look at the backside and yeah. see what the backside of it looks like. But anyway, this car is super clean. Yeah, so I've ordered a few things for it. Okay. Uh, the struts are the most blown struts of any car I've ever driven <laughs> in my life. Um, <laughs> it really is. When I was driving, you, you were like, all right, go back and forth on the wheel. Kind of seesaw the wheel. And it's like, oh boy. It is Oh bad. boy. I've, I felt like we were in like three foot swells out in the ocean. It is bad. And when you get on the freeway and it starts kind of like oscillating. Oh, undulating. Yeah. Oh, I, I am that guy that I take an Instagram video of like, <laughs> look at this idiot with his blown shocks. Doesn't he know that you should go to Meineke yeah. and get your... So I bought uh, Bill Steens for it. Nice. Um, I bought uh, new snow tires for it. Good. And I'm going to do a tune-up, so I'm going to do cap rotor. Because I, I went to take sure. the rotor off, and it was like, like I could breaking the bolts loose to get the, oh, the, the cap off. Oh, so it hasn't off. been opened in a while. Yeah, I don't think that's been done in a while. So I'm going to do all that. The plugs look dirty and everything else. So I'm going to take that stuff apart. Now, you said this is CIS. It's not a carburetor. It's nope. not fuel. In, I mean, it's fuel well, injected, it's, but it's, it's probably K-Jetronic sure. is my guess, which is an O2 sensor operated CIS. So it has a computer. It has a DPR, which is, is this a, OBD. No, it is not OBD. Anything. Okay. OBD started in 93. Oh, you're and one like year 95, off. kind yeah. of in that period of time is sure. when OBD1 started to come so up. So you got no check engine light? No, but I can scan the car. There is like a port that you can open that you can use to scan the car. This okay. is a very, very rudimentary system. <laughs> is this one of these things where they say you hook up a, a light bulb to it, and it, if it flashes two times, it's good, and like Correct. there's a whole code to it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Or there's a Mercedes system that I think you can hook up right. to it that's a little more descript than that. Yeah. But it'll do like O2 sensor. Um, this sensor, that sensor, whatever. It's all the different sensors. It'll tell you if there's like a short or if their ohm resistance is reading improperly or right. really, really, really basic stuff. But for the time, that was really, really crazy to be able to do any of that. Yeah, and it has, has ABS, which works. 
So the car needed to do. How do you know it works? Because I was in gravel on the side of the road <laughs> and just, I was going to pull over. I just like yeah. hit the brakes a little harder than normal. Sure. ABS works. That's cool. It's not as like fast as a new car. It's new not, cars are like, <laughs> you know, they're very, yeah. very fast. This, this one's like, like wom, wom, wom. not that bad, but it's, it's not, not a modern ABS system, but it does work quite well. Okay. Um, and then I did the rear brakes. That need, I, so I pulled the wheels off to bleed all the brakes. Sure. And there was still like the lot rot on the rear rotors. They weren't right. doing the, anything. The brakes were never touching the rotor. I drove that thing home late, left my AMG at the place. I'm like, I want to get this thing home. Sure. So I drove it home with no brakes. That late probably wasn't smart. It's no traffic. It's all freeway. So I drove home. <laughs> it's fine. There's some brakes. Okay, let's be honest. It's There's fine. some. It's fine. I drove, hey, I drove home from Nebraska with zero brakes in the 911. True. Yeah, that was worse. Yeah, that was way worse. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, you know, we'll see how it goes. If I really like it, I'll put some springs on it. Oh, I got a radio for it. Check this out. So Wait. I don't like new radios right. in old cars, but I found that VDO uh -huh. makes a radio. Okay. So it is a. So it's a very clean, vintage looking. It looks almost exactly like the radio that's in the car with the orange face and a digital LED readout. Okay. But it still has like an external mic for hands free, Bluetooth, everything that you need, but it looks old. It looks rad. How it's much super does cool. this run? 160 bucks. Okay. I got to send awesome. this to my buddy. Yeah. It's really, really good. They actually make a pigtail for the radio that works with BMWs. It's meant to be with BMWs, but you can obviously splice in whatever you want. Interesting. It's really, really good looking. Good looking radio with orange yeah. readout, just like old BMW and old Mercedes. How would are. that look in an SC, 911 SC? Uh, probably okay. I would yeah. think that it would look all right. You know, obviously some old blah punk or something would look better, but everything back then had the orange readout on the sure, LEDs, which sure. is exactly what this is. Okay. Because so, otherwise, I was going to say, you can't put a different stereo in that. Everything's so clean and stock looking so i'm gonna do that i'm doing that stereo because i need to have decent you need your tunes i need not even that i just need to have good hands free where i can just talk well thing is so quiet though you I know i can put my I, phone on the holder <laughs> and i can just use speaker phone as my hands free and everybody yeah. can hear me fine at 75 miles an hour it's wild so i took the do the, those have like double weather stripping on the doors or I something don't know. how do they do that because so the, that's the old adage, like, when you close the door, it's like a bank vault. It feels solid, doesn't it? It on, does. Even on a little car like that? It does. The I took the floor mat out because the, the gas pedal's messed up. It's broken. Okay. So I took the floor mat out to try and figure that out. Sure. There's two inches of foam on the bottom of the floor mat. <laughs> Just for sound Just insulation. For sound. It's, it's, <laughs> it's great. So the car makes, other than the shocks, it makes no bumps, uh -huh. no clunks. Nothing feels loose. It is it is a very solid car. Wildly clean. I'm really excited about it. I like this car. Just as much, if not more, than the AMG. Yeah. Just because it's, you know, it's unique still, right? I mean, I, I like, like it as well. Oh, no. Jake likes bit. the grandpa no, car. I want to see it on the RSs badly. So here's the problem with the RSs. I You're going to sell them. <laughs> I am too old for wobble bolts. Oh. It's 5 by 114 Yeah. And the Benz is 5 by 112 Sure. And I just like things that are supposed to be there and running wobble bolts is kind of like, uh, can we trade them? Let's trade them. I don't know that I want to run RSs. I think what I want to run mm -hmm. is the 16 inch version of the wheels that I already have. And it looks really, really nice lowered on those wheels. I'll show you later. Okay. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. It looks really good on those 16s. I don't think but, I don't like it. <laughs> I do like this car just because it's so clean, black on black. I like that. It, it is super clean. It I'm is really boring. Excited. It is a grandpa car for sure. I, as evidenced by the fact who owned it, Chris, who was the first owner? I don't know. I think, I think it's you a, said it was some little old lady. Well, then it's not a grandpa car, is it? <laughs> <laughs>
I just sent you, or I'm just sending you a picture of what sure. it looks like lowered on the uh, the 16-inch versions okay. of the wheels that I have now. What do you think of that? I don't know because it's still coming through the ether. All right, here we go. Opening. That does nothing for me. <laughs> nothing? You don't like it? No. Oh, it looks great. Nope. It's just a nice boxy wheel, flat face That's with ugly. the boxy car. That's ugly. That thing looks mint. Nope. It looks so, great. okay, but here's what I wanted to get at. You were looking for another Mercedes box. Yes. Why? I think I have an affinity with these old cars. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I think I have a problem. I think I have a problem. No, so, I, because you were always about it like, oh, I need new experiences and I can experience another car, a different car, some different type of driving experience. I became a man in a Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will leave it at that. There's some affinity to it. I get that. Yeah, I went to prom in a Mercedes, uh -huh. an old Mercedes. I really like the build quality. I really like the reliability and the longevity of these cars. Mm -hmm. They, when everyone says their favorite brand was over-engineered, these were. They were absolutely over-engineered. They poured a ton of money into the engineering of these cars back when Mercedes was Mercedes. Now things are a little chintzier. Mercedes are not known for their reliability. Right. They were back then. This car has 230,000 miles on it. And it, and it, it looks is a brand new. And it is a it <laughs> looks and drives like a brand new car. That is nuts. And when you look all around the internet, these things are everywhere and they're just it, it doesn't need anything, it just runs. They are <laughs> it is an, it is German. It is a German masterpiece to me. These yeah. old cars are just I'm just thinking for the sake of like experiences that you're always harping on about. I would love especially as will be evidenced later in our episode, I would love to see you in like a WRX or something just to try it for the winter in I've, the fun in the snow. I've driven WRXs and stuff. I, the seats aren't comfortable. I don't like the layout for the knobs. Nothing's in the right place. Things are falling <laughs> apart. There's no, they're meant of, to be stripped out okay. rallied. That's look at, why. Look at this way. Look at this way. <laughs> What's that? Think of an old, maybe mid to late eighties Subaru. Yeah. What do those look like on Craigslist compared to what these look like on Craigslist? True. They are wasted. They are piles of dust. They are junk. <laughs> you're just, only going to own, let's be honest, you're only going to own this thing for like three months. That's like saying if you were a single guy, you should only date average girls because you're going to move on to the next one pretty soon. <laughs> That's a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, All right. Let's, well, you did mention, of course, our sponsor, Oberk Car Care. Oberk is your premier source for detailing compounds, pads, and polishes. I used all their... That's what I used was, that was the it. Oberk stuff. The Oberk stuff. It was great. It was easy to use. It came off really easily. That's my thing. The wax needs to come off easily. Sure. Lots of great products out there, but sometimes you, if you go too far, a lot of them are like, oh, we'll do a two-by-two two section because if you do like too much of the car, you come back <laughs> it's and it doesn't come off. On and, yeah. It doesn't come off. This stuff was really, really easy to deal with. It went on nice. The pads worked great. I didn't go to the second step just because I don't like detailing very much. Sure. So I just did the first like rough cut on the on the podcast. And that's that's what it ended out. That's what it ended up like. Wow. And then I did a finishing sealant on it. Yeah. And I am done. Hopefully, I don't have to do too much more in terms of detailing that car anymore. There was wow. a, I was really happy with this first time that I've used what they sent me. And it, it is really good. I didn't want to say anything until you I hadn't used tried it. it. You hadn't tried it. But it is quite good. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with Honest it. Honest opinion. And I met, actually, Chris and the guys behind They were on the Oberk. rally. They were on the rally. Awesome guys. You can feel good about supporting good, honest guys in a good, honest company. They have 15 years of experience in the industry, and the engineers over there have made, like we said, a simple, holistic system that really takes the guesswork out of paint correction. I really implore you guys to check them out at Oberk 
carcare.com. Be, f- be sure to use the code Overcrest as well. That'll get you 15% off any order over 35 bucks, and they'll throw in one of their famous towels that you can wipe it down with. There you go. All right, let's. Uh, should we re- recap the rally a little bit? Yeah, let's Before talk about the, the Overcrest hit. rally. So I heard a great quote. Okay, from, from one some, of the guys so out this there. This is from Nick, who drives the. He had the white nine six four Carrera two, and he's from Denver. Yes. And that night, uh, the guys that are doing a film for me wanted to do a little bit of film stuff. I'm like, oh, I'll come with. I'll hang out or whatever. And sure. We can do a little bit of film work. And I was on this gravel road and drifted this ninety degree thing. I'm, I've drifted my car many, many times. Lots of clutch kicking on gravel. I'm used to it. Sure. But we and they were filming us while we did it. Yep. And I get out of the car, he gets out of the car, and he's got this big grin on his face. He's like, man, I really hope they got that. That's the most I've ever drifted my car in my life. And he was supremely sideways. Yeah. In my, he went from one side of my rear view to the other awesome. around this corner. It looked so killer seeing that car do that. It was super proper, like turn the wheel, drift yep. sideways. Yep. It was awesome. Um, that was like having somebody have like a new experience on the rally was really, Absolutely. really cool. And uh, I think every, I don't know, I, I kind of was just like, here you go, guys enjoy yeah and then i saw some people over lunch so i i got some feedback but i was actually going to ask you you did everything yeah what did you think how did you how did it go for you it was awesome i think i I have to start from the beginning though because i do have a couple stories that go yeah let's let's have it so we met up down in wabasha which is about you know an hour or two from the cities right right and so i was up at 5 a.m and i asked you the night before what time do you want me down there to help organize things and you're like get down there at seven and i knew i was gonna be late yep. i was like chris is gonna be all pissy at me for being late so i was i was pushing it a little bit on the way down 6 a.m roads were empty yeah nobody around no one around and, and I, these are fun roads they're it's very fun the, roads even the main river road is just scenic it's not twisty and challenging but it's just so scenic it's pretty. enjoyable it really is so i'm pushing it on the way down and i end up i see ahead of me an old long hood 911 you know what those and really pretty dark. you know what those really pretty roads are like what? is if you're dating a beautiful woman okay. you don't always having to be doing the deed sometimes you're just <laughs> sometimes you're just sitting just at dinner admiring. and you're just you're looking at her across enjoying. the table and you're just enjoying the way that she looks and you're just ready for what's going to come you later you have a lot of uh female and relations analogies here today that's because the emotion of a relationship that you have with a woman often translates to the emotions that you can have with a car. Interesting. And I think that's that kind of relationship that you build, you know, can go both ways. It's, I it's, get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. So it's, you know, you, you're driving on these roads. You just, you, you must be thinking to yourself, man, this is going to be a great day. Yep. This is really oh, beautiful. I'm, I'm I can't pumped, wait excited. to just, just. My beautiful bride is next to me. Yep. Right. So I'm happy there too. And I come across the silhouette is still like kind of dusk out, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's an old air cooled long hood ahead of me. And I, it's dark. I'm like, is that Chris? Did I catch up to Chris? I I didn't really know how far away I was, and I knew you were staying close there. I was, yeah, like, I was like, I think that's Chris away. right there. <laughs> and so I'm like flooring it. I get going, and I pass this guy, and I was like, oh, no, that's not him. That's a different car we saw earlier that day, that okay. green one. Okay. okay. But anyway, so I'm like flying, and he kind of pulls in next to me. He's like, oh, yeah, obviously yeah, you're going yeah, there. He's yeah. like, so we're running down, and all of a sudden I see coming over the crest of the hill, car. Oh, no, that's a cop. How fast were you going? I didn't know. <laughs> and so so comes, do you know how fast you were going, nope, sir? Nope, he didn't even pull one of those. So I'm like, all right, I can see him slowing brake lights. There's the lights on turns around. So I pulled right over right away. And the guy behind me kind of pulled over as well. Or no, what did he do? So the guy catches up to us when he pulls us over. And I think he's thinking, oh, he's just going to go for Jake. 
ahead of me. And so he does. But then as soon as he pulls me over and the guy's behind me, the guy, the cop waves him over as well. <laughs> like he's you, like, uh, no, you better pull over as well because you were right behind him. Yeah. And so he comes up. I always up. wondered what they would do if he was like, nope. And one then guy left. It would have been great because he would have gone after him because he's true. running. That's true. <laughs> that would have been Part good of me is like, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Go. No. Uh, and so he comes up my window. He goes, hey, good morning. You were doing 74. In a 55. In a 55. Yeah. I was like, ooh, okay. He's like, uh, license, registration. There you are. Thank you. Where are you guys off to today? Are you, are you guys traveling together? I was like, well, sort of. We're going to the same place. Where are you off to? I said, we're, we're doing a scenic River Valley cruise, which it is. Uh, and he's like, all right, well, I'll be, I'll be back. I'm like, <laughs> he's back there for a while doing his thing. Nikki's like, why are we speeding? I was like, Chris is going to be angry with me. Oh, don't blame uh, it, it on me. It was all you. It was all no. you. Yep. Well, you should have just stayed down there. You would have avoided this whole so thing. So I see him walking back with my license and a piece of paper. 74. I'm certainly getting a ticket. I'm yeah. just curious how much it's going to cost. Yep. Like Roll down the window. He goes, "All right, here's a warning. Here's your license. Slow it down." Wow, that's great. Whoa! He walks up to the next guy, tells him the same thing. He said something to the effect of, "Well, my computer isn't quite working right, so I'm letting you <laughs> off with a warning." <laughs> I, like I don't that. know if he had to say that for the record or if there's part truth to that. Oh, yeah, maybe. You know it, what I mean? Because it's body cam stuff. You exactly. got to kind of say. So I came away from that thinking, okay. Well, that set the tone for the rally, first of all, because I'm not going to be an idiot asshole pushing it the whole time. Yeah. How'd that work out? Pretty well. Yeah. For the most part. (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. So we get down there. The first thing I noticed was the camaraderie. Yeah. All these guys getting together. You know, everyone is there because it's their passion and it's, it's unique because this is a lot of Porsche guys, but even if you don't drive a Porsche, the other thing I noticed was the variety of cars. Yeah, there was a a huge variety out there. But they were all similar in a way, kind of appreciating, you know, the older stuff and the quality of just driving and everything else. So it was the camaraderie. It was the variety of roads. To be a guy that wants to go out and drive, there were some newer cars there. Yes. But I think a lot of guys that are going to make the sacrifice to drive an older car are guys that want to take the time to drive it to make it worth the ownership in the first place. Exactly. That's that's well put. And the other thing was just the amazing roads. I had been down there before years ago for some little cruises and whatnot, but the roads that you picked, hats off to you, were amazing. Thank you. Yeah, they really were. A bunch of work. The elevation changes is really what I either forgot about or didn't expect. It doesn't seem like you're where you are. No, I was like, like, why are we going up mountain roads all of a sudden in the (laughs) middle of the woods? So that was really fun. I did get into some gravel stuff. Our buddy uh, and uh, our resident, uh, I was going to say our resident on site reporter, Buster Conrad was in my crew right behind me. And I sprayed uh, him with rock chips. I no, no, I, I, so I slowed down when I saw this really twisty technical spot and I rolled my window down and I go like this. Like back up, back off, and I'm I'm really throwing it out there. Yeah. Like real my best drift as well, to your your I friend's point. And I was like, did a couple hard ones, and then I see the road just kind of fall off ahead. <laughs> where yeah. I was like, okay, not gonna be doing that extreme. And that's right when he started recording. Because oh. I think he posted something and you're like, you even commented, you're like, why isn't the ass out on that turn or something yeah, like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I was really pushing it. So super fun. And what I loved was getting together over lunch and being able to kind of share experiences right. and everything else. And then we got to go back and do more of it. So it really 
it was awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, doing it again next year. Um, everybody's like, next year, next year. I'm like, yes, there will be another rally next year. I called it the first annual, so it, it better be. It is, <laughs> well, the map says for, first annual on Oh, it. did it? Yeah, okay. the map well, says that's where first I got annual. Um, and I'm probably going to do, I might do, I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to do two days next time. That way, okay. it's two days of, of hanging out and camaraderie instead of. So that's what I wanted to say is one thing I wish we had is I, I like when we got together and got to just mm -hmm. hang out and discuss during. Yeah. Right. So I would somehow maybe do a couple either, if not spots or checkpoints, just some way to get more. Of that. I think if we have it as a two day thing, I think you're going to inevitably have more of that yeah. as you travel, travel from one location to another to start different plot spots. I think right. you're going to have a little bit more of that for sure, whether you like it or not. <laughs> well, I did like it. So well, it sounded like everybody had a good time and I, and I really, really enjoyed, you know, everybody having that opportunity and just getting to watch everybody have a good time. It really made my day. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was, it was awesome. So thank you for that and be sure to look out for next year. Okay. What have we, uh, what have we got for, um, well, speaking of rallying, we were inspired to kind of look into the history of rallying and with the nice booklet that was produced for the rally with yeah. the pace notes, you like or that? the directions. I did like that. Glenn did that. Glenn I know. Cordell put that together. He did Hats a great off job. To him. Do you know what that notation is called? What notation? That type of notes? Yes. Pace notes is what I've always just heard it that called. That is a, a particular type that we'll get to. Right. There are multiple types and there multiple are. ways that it's there almost are. like dialects. Exactly. Based on where you are, what it's called and how it's read and all the numbers and everything else. Yeah. So uh, let's start at the beginning. Okay. In 19... Nope, that's wrong. <laughs> in 1984 <laughs> no it's actually 1894 okay. that i typed it backwards okay. otherwise this would have not been a long history story at all in 1894 a paris newspaper <laughs> i no, do you know what happened there chris dude I, I switched into my, my accent too soon <laughs> papier it's a papier a parisian newspaper la petite tell me, tell me about chanel this. tell me about this newspaper <laughs> newspaper la petite chanel they sponsored a contest the concours du petit chanel les vertuas sans vacher as it was known was in effect the world's first motor race and We've kind of touched on the very beginning of motor racing in yeah. the past, so I don't yeah. go into depth too much, but this was a pioneering city-to-city -city competition run from Paris to Rouen, which was a distance of 78 miles. The race was preceded by four days of vehicle exhibition and qualifying races that drew, quote, great crowds and excitement. And so, at 8 a.m. on Sunday, the 22nd of July... 21 qualifiers started out from Port Malion. The race paused for lunch from 12 until 1.30 when they set off for the finish line at the Champ de Mars at Rouen. Now, I'd like to imagine that lunch was served out at some countryside old with farmstead some cheese, a little bit of with wine. pizza. Pizza? I'm, I'm making a reference oh. <laughs> to our rally. You didn't quite get that. No, we didn't have enough wine and cheese to make it quite no, that. No, although my wife did have an entire bottle that she shared with my buddy Chris. Oh, you could get wine? Oh, that's right. Other. You could get wine and beer. Yeah, at this. Okay. yeah. so yeah, there yeah. was indeed. Uh, regardless, at the end of this rally, or I'm sorry, race, we're not calling it that yet. Okay. That term has not been invented, as we'll find. The Count Dion was the first to arrive in Rouen after six hours and 48 minutes at an average speed of 12 miles per hour. 
Oh, geez. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, that would take a while. However, prizes weren't awarded to the fastest cars. Instead, they were decided by a jury based on the reports of the observers who rode along in each car. The official winner was Albert Lamatai driving a three-horsepower Peugeot. Although the Comte Dion had finished first, his vehicle was steam-powered, which was illegible for the official competition. So you couldn't have a steam car. You had to have I a think they let you run the steam car, but they're like, you're not going to win it because I, I didn't go into detail, but they said because you needed someone tending the fire, it wasn't considered like a, a car. Okay. Well, I don't all know. right. Regardless, this first event directly led to numerous city-to-city road races in France and all over greater Europe. These races all had a few hallmark features, namely individual start times with cars running against the clock rather than head-to-head. They had road books and routes and driving over long distances on ordinary, mainly gravel roads facing hazards such as dust, traffic, pedestrians, and the occasional farm animal. However, This racing style didn't receive its now infamous moniker until 1911, when it was used to describe the Rallye Automobile di Monte Carlo. Ah, that's the one you know of. Established at the behest of Albert I, Prince of Monaco. The Monte Carlo Rally, as we know it today, takes place every year along the French Riviera in the Principality of Monaco and southeast France. However... During its first years of competition, competitors would actually set off from all four corners of Europe and rally or meet in Monaco well, to ra- celebrate the end of this unique event. Well, this rally, is where the term originates. Well, rally in, in its core is is like if you are defeated as like a military tr- like thing or whatever, you rally to the you rally to the cause or you rally to the, you can either you rally people, it's or it's all about getting people together to go do something. You're getting together because right. what is a political rally? Exactly, that is just like a group, a meeting, a right? bunch of jerks getting together. Yeah, well, to yell depending at each other. on which side you <laughs> believe in. Yeah. No, but a rally is a meet. So the Monte Carlo rally originally was people would just come from all over Europe and rally together and that's where the term came from and so as i alluded to earlier in the episode that is an accurate statement for what we did at overcrest that is true we rallied together i had somebody uh was asking me what oh you had a rally was it a tsd rally or (laughs) i'm like no it was just this i don't know does does it need to have time speed distance to be a real rally blah blah no so it's good to hear that yes exactly so before i move forward let's take a quick moment to talk about our sponsor, PetrolBox. PetrolBox is a monthly subscription service specifically made for the automotive enthusiasts. Each month, they carefully select items including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, and a whole bunch of other goodies and send them right there to your doorstep. There are actually two levels of subscription to choose from. The PetroBox Basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the PetroBox Premium gives you even more of this gear for $39.95 a month. Be sure to check these guys out at mypetrolbox.com. Be sure to use the code OVERCREST as well at checkout to get $6 off your first month's order. Chris and I have both received them. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, they're fun. That'd be a good gift with Christmas coming up, too. It really would. I'm sure we're probably going to have like some OVERCREST Christmas coupon code at some point coming I'm up. I'm sure yeah. we will. Yeah. All right. So now that we know where rallying began, let's take a look at what 
it's really comprised of today. Okay. So essentially, rally racing involves driving cars from point A to point B along regular roads that have generally been closed off to the public. That's how pro rallying works, at least. Now, we can categorize the types of rally racing into three or four main types, depending on you count, how you count them. Vintage rallies, which are sort of an homage to the historic rally racing and the older cars that participated. These are kind of the ones that you've always mentioned you really like. Right. Because it really gets back to these are the guys, and usually they're wearing like the leather helmets with and the, the goggles. goggles. Because yes. they don't want to get hit in the face with a rock. <laughs> exactly. Uh, let's see. And you also make the point that we've seen kind of a resurgence of these. I don't know if it's people, you know, trying to hearken back to that. You know, it, it has been happening a lot all, all over the country. There's a lot of this type of stuff going on. I think it just goes down to people for a long time over the last 15 years have spent a lot of time in parking lots. <laughs> and I think they're starting to discover with, with how everything is moving towards this digital world and everything like that, that the more tangible things, whether it's record players, cars, whatever, are becoming more relevant. And they want to use something and sure. feel something and touch something that's not a screen. Sure. So I think that's where this really that starts. It's starting to come into play. Yeah. The second type you have are endurance rallies. This is, think like Paris-Dakar rally, where you're traversing huge distances. And I also wanted to mention non-competitive rallies, which are basically, you know, kind of the cruises like we had at Overcrest. Right. Lastly... There are the short stage rallies. These are the ones you most likely picture with Subarus flying through the air, ripping down gravel trails through the woods. This is the one that we love. That's the, these are the guys with the balls. For sure. Right. Now, Chris, have you ever been to one of these professional rally races? I have not. Okay. Have I you? Yes. I went to the Ojibwe Forest Rally years ago with a few buddies. It's part of the Rally America series. At least that's what it was called at the time. Is that, nor I think is that up north still, in Minnesota? Yes. Okay. Yep. Ojibwe Forest is northern Minnesota. And I actually, <laughs> I met and hung out with Travis Pastrana while he was racing for Subaru, you know, the, the number 199 car. Which, that, that I don't know, but I do know Travis Pastrana did drive, yeah. Yep, exactly. So what really sticks out in my memory from this, though, is the sound of open exhaust echoing off the trees as a car comes hurtling into a gravel corner. You're sitting there. They have little, like, uh, you know the police tape? It's not police tape, but it's like little caution tape yeah. rung from tree to tree. And they're like, all right, we don't care how close you get. Just don't pass this line yeah, for your own like safety. It's not like a group B back in the day where everybody's reaching no. out to touch the right. Audi Quattro as it drives by. But at the same time, it is ridiculous access that you can get for this. Right. And when in between stages, you can go right up. You can talk to the teams. I had a couple of guys being like, oh, yeah, I have a seat in it. Take a look. And I'm like, that's where I shook Travis Pastrana's hand and hung yeah. out with him for a while. So it's very cool. But I recall it didn't take me long to realize that while you want to get as close of a view as possible to these things they pelt you with gravel as they drift around these corners i know that a couple Which of photographers have awesome i've <laughs> know a lot of broken lenses and cracked lenses for sure to do to this or but yeah we absolutely need to go i know our friend who's also been on the uh on the show earlier peter lapinski he does, does a lot, lot of that he does a lot of photography for those guys yeah i think we should yeah we should go we do should that. run you know up also, with him next year for that i was gonna say we should go do pike's peak but that's kind of all asphalt it's now. all it's paved not which quite the same i mean it might still be cool to go see but yeah first let's go up north so i would have liked to go see some rallying that's out in the desert in utah because yeah. just in terms of you know i'm sure the forest stuff is really cool but you can only see for a second 
Right. But if you were but, out, but if you were out in the desert, you could see for miles as they come. True. Be great. It was cool at this Rally America event though, because they had all different basically classes and levels. Like there's some guy in an old Fox Body Mustang that he like lifted up and put you know studded tires on and whatnot. And yeah, they just got, having fun. You know man. who has courage? Courage is the co-driver that gets in with that guy. Yeah, no and kidding. Like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so regardless, these short stage rallies are the format that brought us the likes of Group B and the World Rally Championship. And we've talked about the craziest that was Group B racing in the past episode, and we could talk at length for that. So I'm I'm really wanted to delve into a different, perhaps more mysterious yet iconic facet of rallying. And then we can maybe talk a little bit about the name of our podcast. Maybe. Three, two, one, go. Five left bus opens 20. Flat six right bus to the crest opens 150. Line into five left minus half long of a crest. Titans early minus of a crest opens 40. So, unlike other motorsports, rally racing includes a co driver. Right. Whose job it is to read aloud navigation pace notes. My wife looks cannot read while she's driving. She gets sick. I can imagine this would just basically turn her inside out. Well, there are a lot of accounts as I'm doing this research of people just getting sick. And it's in the middle of a stage. So you get sick and you just keep reading. Yeah, you throw up and then you keep happening. You have to. Yes. So in most races, drivers have not seen the course before even running it. As such, pace notes are an invaluable way to know what is coming Head. Sort of the who I know you can walk the circuit, right? So how do these guys get the pace notes? How do they yeah. know what's going on? Well, there's there's several different ways that notes are created. In some cases, the teams are allowed to run the stage before race day during reconnaissance runs, known in the biz as a race. It's a recon race. Okay. These runs are to be driven basically at the speed limit, where the driver dictates a set of notes to the navigator. So he's saying basically, here's where we're going around a corner. Please write this down. And then they do a second pass of the Reese, and the navigator reads the shorthand pace notes back to the driver, checking them for accuracy and making slight adjustments as needed. But this isn't at speed that they're doing this. No, that's where they're doing it basically at the speed limit, yep. the recon. Another method of notation is the tulip notes. Okay, I've not heard of that so, before. So the name of this type of navigation comes from the tulip rally, which was first used in the 1950s. Tulip or ball and arrow instructions are simple diagrams of the route junctions with the ball indicating where you are coming from and the arrow indicating the direction of travel. Tulips may be oriented as they are on the map in that direction or turned around so that the ball is always at the bottom or any combination thereof. Does this sound familiar? It sounds just like the, the rally notes. So that, that's why that I was Glenn getting at. So yeah, this is actually how our booklet was on the Overcrest and rally. What I, what I had Glenn do, and I think we kind of collaborated on this, was I'm like, hey, I would like the little box with the arrow. I don't want it to just be like, go left. I'm right. like, I would like it to look like the turn that you're going to be making. Like, so whether it's did you know these or, were a thing? Uh, yes, okay. I, I do know of yeah, these. So they're called tulip notes. Okay, I And just your didn't variation didn't have the ball at the bottom that shows where you're coming from, yep. but they are all oriented so that they were pointing upward. And I really thought they were helpful. So that's tulip notes. More recently, however, rally pace notes are generated by the Jemba Inertia Notes System. The Jemba system is a computer software program that is connected to an odometer and a series of accelerometers inside a car. So the odometer is used to calculate precise distances between instructions, while the accelerometers detect, accelerometers detect turns, bumps, hills, 
in order to give consistent grading of corners and crests in the notes. The data is then compiled and printed out for each competitor. This system serves to level the playing field, creating consistent, identical notes for each and every team. I don't want consistent notes for every <laughs> single team. I want freaking Hans to be going through there and thinking what he thinks is best. I think that the co-driver being an integral part of rallying is why it's so cool. I don't want to be done by a computer. Well, ah, no. This is just to make the notes. You still have your co-driver reading the notes that were printed by the computer. I don't like it because the co-driver is an integral part of creating the notes. He's the one writing. Have you ever seen their notebooks? Oh, yeah. Like pictures? It's, it's not. It's, it's wild. It's, it's like the most scribbly. It looks yes. like. Have you ever tried to write while you're driving? <laughs> yes, it's like also terrible. I remember <laughs> when I was with Lee Keen in one of his safaris. That's right, because you were trying to take notes to write this article. I, you should see. I'll show you sometime of me trying. It's trying to read what I wrote while I was drifting around on gravel roads, basically yes. rallying, and you cannot read anything. I bet you cannot. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, I kind of like this idea, though, Chris, because it's a whole nother challenge. Then the driver's never seen the course in this instance. Neither of them have. So why, don't, addition, we just have, why don't we just have the co-driver go out there and see it? And then we can have the driver drive it with the co-driver. I don't like the computer. Well, that, in addition, it does save time and resources that otherwise would be used if the teams had to do the recon themselves. Boo. I know. Currently, the Gemma system is used most heavily in the Rally America National Championship, the one that I was just talking about. So they basically send a guy out in whatever car. Yep, with the computer they, system. And then they give the rally and they notes just out. print them out to everyone. Does anybody audit this to make sure it's right? <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't know. I didn't read that much about it. Well, what if this is what if it's wrong? What if you accidentally hit a rock and there's a bump there that nobody else is going to hit? And it's like uh, nine left, don't cut. But then or nine left cut and then they do cut and then there's a rock and then everybody's going off the road. I just I don't know. Human elements important. You're right. Uh, currently, though, the Jemba system, I just said that, used in Rally America Championship, also used in Canada, Sweden, Norway, New Zealand, Great Britain, and South America for all their national championships. So this is what is the standard, the standard now. It is. Okay. Yeah, the Jemba system is also very precise, and nearly every feature is noted. So most teams will go through the notes and either cross out a bunch of irrelevant information or modify the notes to make them simpler for the driver to follow at speed. Right. So... What exactly do these notes mean? Pace notes are basically shorthand language made up of a few different components. So let's go through them. All right. This is like the alphabet of rally racing. Now, if I were to say left or right, it would obviously mean that there's either a left or right corner ahead. Okay. So that's component one. Each corner command is then appended by a number that refers to the severity of said corner. Now, the numbers range from one through six, which generally correspond to the gear a driver should be in to take that corner. One referring to a slower first gear hairpin, and six would refer to a flat out six gear sweeper. I've heard of like one through nine, too. This is the main things I've heard of. Okay, so there are weird things where I've, there's been that one. That might be like you said a different. Yeah, so there's variation. been like one through nine, nine being uh, very easy and one being very hard, but I've also seen uh, one being very easy and nine being very hard. The inverse hard. of that. And it's, it's, so I think that, like I said earlier, I think it wherever you're from and, and if you're in Sweden or Norway, it's probably different than it was here. Imagine trying to come up with the same system in different countries in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. It's not everybody was just comparing notes all the so time. So as we talked about the Jemba kind of being the new standard, this is Jemba that I'm describing. Okay, okay. So I imagine this is kind of This is the modern. Exactly. Okay. okay. So in addition to those numbers, there are plus and minus modifiers that adjust the severity 
Slightly. For instance, a two plus would be a slightly faster than a standard second gear turn, but not quite a third gear turn. In addition, a navigator may include additional information with a turn, such as opens or tightens that would describe the behavior of the corner. Another common corner descriptor may be OC or off camber, which of course describes a corner that is banked to the opposite direction of the turn. So Let's or you can have, like, don't cut, too, because exactly. there's a big boulder right exactly. in the middle of the corner. Yep. So a lot of the guys will dip a tire right on the inside the of the corner. You want to do that if there's a big rock right there. Probably so. not. There goes your tire. Uh, so let's put that part together. You could have a single corner described as left three minus opens OC. Right. And that'd be one corner. Right. Okay. Then you have the numbers from 40 through 200. That would represent the distance in yards between instructions. So anything less than 40 yards is simply notated by an and, which makes sense when you're flying along at speed. Anything less than 40 yards seems like the turns are simply back to back. However, and is not to be confused with into, which represents a distance so short that it requires the driver transition directly from one action to another. So you could have a left three plus into right four minus. So that's like right there. You're right transferring there. the weight of the car exactly. to the next quarter immediately. You're trying, you do that so you can set up in the corner for the next yep, one. You can link them. So next, what we, what I have, I, I presume is all of our favorite descriptor, the crest. Yes. Now a crest is defined as either something you can't see over or a feature that will unsettle the car. In addition to a crest, there is also the jump notation, which will make the car actually leave the ground. That's my favorite. <laughs> yes. With those previous two descriptions, when you're going over something, you may need to take action, which is when the over notation comes in. So you could say right four over crest. Right. Which is where the name of the podcast comes from. That's exactly right. And when I named the podcast, I kind of was trying to put myself in position of as being the co-driver for all of our listeners, basically taking them through the automotive world. That was where I came up with the name for that for the podcast. I like that was a lot. bringing all of you with me as the driver over crest. I like it yeah. a lot. Another, I don't know if we've never ever we've never described that. Yeah, never talked about that. I really like that. All right, uh, moving right along. Another descriptor is slippy which is shorthand <laughs> for slippery, which would, of course, refer to any surface that lacks you want traction. The least amount of syllables possible. Yeah, slippy. Yeah. Right for overcrest slippy. Overcrest <laughs> slippy. I just like that. Uh, on the other end of that notation is grip, which is a call out to a surface that has greater than normal grip, which, of course, may affect the driver input. You know, uh, If the navigator says care, that means an especially difficult section of the stage is approaching ahead. Eyes up. Yeah. Right four over crest care. Right. Then you have the cautions. Caution mean there's a higher than normal probability there will be a crash. A double caution means there's a higher than normal probability there will be a crash and that crashing will total your car. A triple caution. <laughs> Means there are oh. higher than normal probability there will be a crash that will kill you. Oh my God! So w w yes. <laughs> okay. So how do we know what it, what's considered a triple caution? So, so like okay, if you're like uh, right like four plus over crest triple caution, I I don't know. Don't go slowly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you are going. You to are die. going to die. <laughs> so once you put all of that together, you get something like this. 
70. Stay right over drop and stay right over jump into right 50. Left 70. <laughs> I'm watching the video and what you can't see <laughs> is the G forces. This guy's fighting as he's talking. Trying to read the with book. With his notebook. Yeah. All you have to do is type in like rally racing videos and you'll just be mesmerized for yeah, you hours. Get, you get hours. These guys are nuts. And left four over crest. Left four over crest. Over jump. <laughs> that was a jump. Right six over jump. 30. Right five opens. 100. Crest 20. Left four plus. So these guys are basically badass. They are. So even if the navigator has perfect notes, there's a whole other component that can either make or break a race or worst case, a crash. Right. Timing. All right. So how far in advance do you want the notes read to you? How many corners ahead do you want to read at one time? Drivers make little mistakes all the time, but if one little mistake is made by the navigator, it literally could kill you. It's, a, it's I would almost vomit just from that. Bill Caswell, so a driver. I've got, I've got the clip for triple caution. Okay, what does triple caution, triple caution sound like? We are going to die. <laughs> 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 that is triple caution for sure. We are going to die. You know what that's from? Is it Indiana Jones or Indiana something? Indiana Jones, where he's in the thing and the, the the walls are coming in. He's we are going to die, and he's got his arm through the spider thing. I'm just imagining the car being in that spot where Indiana Jones is. Oh man, oh, triple caution. <laughs> yeah, so it's intense. And I do have one little anecdote. Bill Caswell, as a driver, launched his Pikes Peak BMW into the side of the mountain when his co-driver accidentally turned two pages at once in the notebook. Oh no! So it. It's you don't realize what goes into this. It's like there's so much pressure. It really is, as you mentioned, like the driver. Of course, you have to be skilled, mm -hmm. but it really relies on the navigator. There is so no much. You cannot mess up. You just can't. Not at all. And so they've recently the WRC has introduced a new kind of stage of rallying where you can do solo rallying and you have pace notes just written out, but no navigator reading it to you. And consistently, they are 20% slower in every single stage. Really? So that just goes to show how much value that navigator is adding. And I can tell you my navigator did quite well during the Overcrest rallies. She so, did a good job. Yeah, she did a very There's good a couple job. of people who are like, yeah, my, my navigator is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine how long real pace notes would be for the rally, which was like 300 miles? Oh, my gosh. Oh, it would be intense. Every single turn. You know, every time I'm out there and I'm doing something out there, I'm like, what would it be like to really create a rally out here and like use really like an actual rally? Yeah. Like some of these roads could be used. Like oh, ta yeah. there's tarmac stage, gravel stage. What would it take to get a sanctioned event out here? We what should probably talk to the Rally America guys and see if we can somehow. Man, that would be incredible. Piggyback. Like, wonder if Wabasha would, like, you know, some of the, or Alma or something. Yeah. Where there's a lot of Airbnbs. Can we get this many people here? <laughs> you know, the, you've got uh, Lake City and you've got Wabasha with hotels. Yeah, it'd be very cool. It'd be very cool. So that's a little bit of a very short synopsis of the history of rally racing and my favorite part, 
the rally pace notes. I love it. Uh, so now you guys know the origin of the name of the podcast too, which I realize now we never did talk never about. So I'm glad you guys it. got that. <laughs> um, check out Monday's episode. We are going to take you into the third dimension of travel, <laughs> which is really, really going to be a good time. Uh, yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, some great listener questions. At listener the end of that questions. Episode. We also have our on location reporter, Buster Conrad. Yeah. So check that stuff out. We will see you guys on Monday. Take care. We'll be